Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Problematic Fave. Today, we have the lovely, wonderful, talented writer, journalist, and author, Brooke Obi. Thank you, Brooke. Of course. If Dino calls, I'm there. I appreciate <laughs> you. Thank you for having this space for me to talk about my problematic fave. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's just start. Brooke chose for her problematic fave, the epic disaster no i'm just joking <laughs> that's shade um the epic it's an epic movie called cloud atlas released in 2012 i believe right yes very ambitious movie yeah so this movie is based on a book who wrote the book you- oh gosh and i have it on my bookshelf but it's too oh, far away the movie was directed by tom twiker twiker Mm-hmm. and uh lena and lily wachowski so first off the synopsis this is this synopsis is from imdb <laughs> everything is connected an 1849 diary of an ocean voyage across the pacific letters from a composer to his lover a thriller about a conspiracy at a nuclear power plant a farce about a publisher in a nursing home a rebellious clone in futuristic Korea, and the tale of a tribe living on post-apocalyptic Hawaii far in the future. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> so Brooke, why is this your problematic fave? Like, what, what's your connection to this? What, what, why did you choose this? So, okay, just to start, I didn't see it when it came out in 2012. I actually saw it in 2013. And mm-hmm. I feel like it came to me at a really important time in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, a very lovely, wonderful, very young friend of mine, he was 25 years old, he passed away. And I was really shaken by that because he was so young and he was so beautiful and so full of life. And I was just really looking for answers like and there just weren't any there just were not any answers it didn't make any sense and there was no rhyme or reason to why he died and so when I watched this movie um it is like you said or like you described from IMDb it's six interconnecting stories that go um through time and space about how these six separate souls in different timelines keep interacting with each other and changing each other's lives and changing the world as a result of that as well that's it the music from my dream there are whole movements I wrote imagining us meeting again and again in different lives in different ages I can't explain it, but I knew when I opened that door... A powerful deja vu ran through my bones. I heard it in a dream. It's in a nightmarish cafe. It really helped me, I think, to put things in perspective. For one, there's a beautiful scene about, like, death being a door, that it's not an ending. Um, And I had never, you know, growing up in a Christian household, like, that was not ever anything that was communicated to me in that kind of a way so that it just it being like an entry point um to another place and this idea of you know souls that were meant to meet each other will keep Mm -hmm. meeting each other and you will see even if you don't believe in reincarnation like we attract 
the same kinds of spirits based on the energy that we put out. I know I've looked back in my life and I'm like the same problems. I have the same problems with different people. And I'm like, oh, this is something, there's something here that I'm supposed to be learning. There's something here that I'm supposed to be uh, growing from. And I'm gonna keep doing the same thing until I actually grow and advance um, in this. Mm -hmm. And so that was just a really beautiful message in the film as well. Um, and then, so Sun Me 451, um, <laughs> the amazing actress, um, Duna Bay, she has this great speech in there when she's giving her manifesto and she says, our lives are not our own from womb to tomb. We are bound to others, past mm -hmm. and present. And by each crime and every kindness, we birth our future. So it was just a really great reminder for me about living in intentionality. Um, because you see like from the Tom Hanks character, right? He is horrible in the beginning. He's Henry. Mm. He's horrible throughout all these different timelines. And it he has these opportunities to not be horrible when he interacts with Halle Berry's spirit. So Oh my God, you are like blowing something up. <laughs> I'm telling there's you have to watch it multiple. You can't just watch it one time to catch all these things. And I literally have read everything that's ever been written about Cloud Outlist, good and bad. Um, every analysis I've watched, every video over the years, because you know, when something gets in me, like that's just how I consume media. Like I have to just read what everybody else thinks about it. And that is just a main thing. Like if you look at um, Tom Hanks, right before he throws the critic over the balcony. Oh my God. Well, he makes eye contact with Halle Berry. Um, so this year, she's just a, a, an extra, she's a party goer. And he's so focused on the critic and getting revenge on the critic that if he had actually like made a move based off of that connection, like it's obvious in that moment that they have a connection. If he had been focused on that, he could have been a completely different person. Instead, he becomes a murderer, you know? I think you're gonna love this one. <laughs> <laughs> now that's an ending that is flattening beyond belief. Oh and my so God. it's not until the post-apocalyptic timeline that he finally has this intimate time with, with Halle Berry to actually become a different person. There's a short period of time in Louisa Ray's storyline when Halle Berry's the main character, when she interacts with Tom Hanks and gets him to turn over to her these documents about how this plant is. Yes. And yeah, he's so, like that schlubby uh, doctor or whatever. Yes. Scientist? I don't know what it is. Yes. And he's like, okay, I'm going to do the right thing because I had this interaction with you. But then, of course, he gets blown up. So we don't actually get to see who his character becomes. So mm -hmm. it's not into the post-apocalyptic future that you actually see that he is paying attention to this soul and he is becoming the person that he was always meant to be, but never became all over all these different timelines. Yeah. Okay. So you just said a lot. <laughs> no, but, and I, and I feel like, I feel like an asshole a little bit because you have such a personal connection for, from your friend who passed away. And I'm sorry about that, but there no, are things that, you know, connect us to these things. Yes. But like, but like you said, so this, this movie, for those of you who haven't seen it, stars, it's an awesome cast. Like this cast, and I think the Wachowski siblings are great. Yes. And so it, it stars Tom Hanks, Holly Berry, Jim Broadbent, Hugo Weaving, Jim Sturgis, Duna Bay, 
Ben Wishaw, who I think is so adorable, mind you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Keith David, James Darcy, Susan Sarandon, Hugh Grant. And I, there's like a bunch of other people who, and they all play different characters throughout, which is a problem and cool at the same time. And before we get into that, this is so interesting that we were talking about different lifetimes, right? About two hours ago, I was sitting, I did a, I had a reading with a medium <laughs> and yes. And we talked about, cause there's this thing about, I forgot. I, I always forget what it's called. It's like looking at the, like a library, it's called the Akasha or something like that. Like they go to, like, they, they call on spirits to like go through this library of like your past lives. She told me I had a past life in Japan as a widower and I was a community leader in France. And I was just like, I kind of was like, oh, come on. But I was just like, this is interesting. And I was like, oh, and I just watched Cloud Atlas. And, <laughs> and then- Intentionality. Yes. And I was just, and she told me all of this. And I, you know, she's like, oh, yeah, those are your past lifetimes. And she's like, oh, I see you going to France in the future to kind of close this loop. And I was all, what? It's, it's, it's it, that, that whole, that's a whole conversation. Also, I cried during it because we talked about my grandmother and whatever, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> but what you just said about all of this, it makes more sense now, but yeah, we have, you have to watch this. Also, it is a journey because it's basically a three hour movie. Yes. And there is a lot. My connection to this, I, I remember, I think one of the reasons why I was like, this movie is kind of like horrible for me is like, I remember watching it at TIFF and for some reason, they started screening this at like 10 o'clock and I was like, or nine or 10, it was late. I remember. And I was like, why? And it was a PNI screening. And I was like, what, why, why are you doing this so late? I went in and I, and I, I fell asleep a little bit <laughs> and the person sitting next to me had really bad BO. So there is a whole <laughs> journey there that um, I, 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 I had to, to deal with. But um, so, yeah, so I guess like, I don't like right from the beginning, you know, I like was, I, I, I took these like random notes. Like we, we see Tom Hanks in the beginning and you're just, he's like a storyteller, right? And you're just like, oh, what the fuck? You're like, <laughs> you have to watch with the captions on. If you don't watch with the captions on, you will never understand what's happening. That language. Cause I yeah. think that since it's post-apocalyptic Hawaii, mm -hmm. I'm like gathering that it's like this futuristic form of pigeon, like, yeah. yeah and and then like it just immediately they go into it and I'm just like I I can't I can't Hallie's wig and <laughs> Hallie's wig not even five minutes in and we have yellow face like yeah. the yellow face is in abundance in this yeah. movie yes and that is that's why it's a problem like that yeah. is because what they're what they're trying to do that they did not do successfully was to show that these six souls are the same because it's not like the, the book is a different thing. They're the same storylines, but that's there's not that connection of the same soul interacting with all these different materials over time. Yeah. So what they adapted into the movie um, was to try to make these six souls be the same six souls that keep interacting with each other and to do that especially when they're having um 
a, a storyline that's happening in Neo Soul in 2044. They're allowing white characters to be in yellow face as Koreans. When the reality is all they had to do was to hire Korean actors from the jump and let them yeah. be in white face and let them do all the other things. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that's what they have done. That's that's literally what they should have done. It would have solved everything. Um, but there were there was like I was trying to. Of, of course, I'm going to keep tabs on the Asian face, the yellow face of it yeah. all, and like because they really leaned into that. And I was yeah. just like, oh, nearly every single actor was in yellow face. There also was this one point. Was it Halle Berry? I'm not sure who it was when uh, Duna Bay's character gets the collar. That was Halle Berry. That was, that was Halle. Yeah, and then even Keith David pops up as of uh, everyone was like oh I was like oh, why why did they do this and I, I'm not gonna lie it's like 10 minutes in and I was just lost and because I you know of course you're lost but you're like oh okay I get it I guess um my whole opinion of this whole thing is just that the ambition got in the way the ambition was so distracting or like what they were trying to do was so distracting of what the story really meant. And also this kind of like nutty professor, everyone plays everyone thing, really distracted. Not nutty from... professor. <laughs> <laughs> We're coming to America, like Eddie Murphy style. Yes. You know what yes. I mean? <laughs> because it, I felt that that took away from what this story really could be. Cause we were, cause I think I was sitting there the whole time, like, oh, okay, who is Hugh Grant gonna play next? You know, that kind of thing. and. Mm -hmm it was it was just like a a journey and I and I'm like oh, I'm in a journey I was ready to be over 10 minutes in and I feel like this maybe do you think this would have worked as a series instead I I don't know I don't know <laughs> honestly I feel like they told the story in three hours I don't know how they would have stretched it out into like oh. 10. and oh yeah and for the record I just looked it up David Mitchell is the yeah. author yeah there you go um but yeah, so and his book is it's different. It's yeah. in chronological order. And that makes more sense. And I mean, I just remember watching this and I was like maybe an anthology then, yeah. Yeah. Just done a straight adaptation mm -hmm. um, instead of the way that the Wachowskis did it. Yeah. And I think so not even 10 minutes in, I was lost. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. I wrote copious notes that read like, here's one note. It says receding hairline, old timey, toothy, Tom Hanks, creepy. So <laughs> I can't even tell you which one that was. Was that 2012? No, that one was the whatever. I guess he was like a doctor or a something oh, on the ship. Too. That was the first storyline. That was yeah. Piece. Historical, yeah. historical drama. <laughs> yeah, so he was poisoning Jim Sturgis's character yes. because they wanted something from him. He wanted the gold in his chest. <laughs> okay. Remember the and, that they, oh. he, uh, they end up killing Tom Hanks's character, um, the enslaved man whose name I can't remember. Ends up killing Henry Goose with the trunk of gold. Um, okay. so yeah, that was that if you see, um, in the beginning when, uh, Adam Ewing is all laid out, Jim Sturgis all laid out on the bed and Henry Goose is opening up his shirt. You can see there's a key. around. Oh, his, okay. Okay. Key, okay. Key, and you also see the comet 
that comet little birthmark, which shows all the characters who are going to be like the change makers. Mm-hmm. Um, in the story. are those the six? Those are the those are the six that the everyone. Who's well, they're the not all change makers. So like, oh. Adam Ewing was a change maker. Halle mm-hmm. Berry, um, Frobisher, even though he didn't. I mean, he wrote the Cloud Atlas, and that did it. It did change stuff. That's uh, Ben Wishaw's character, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, I did like. Okay, so Ben Wishaw is is gay is is queer in real life, IRL, and I loved I I that story with him and Jane. I loved that. That's kind of the yeah, and just how uh, I, I forgive me, I don't know like their names in the movie. I just know the actors' names, but like to see James's character grow old and then like remember Ben. And then at the end, spoiler alert, I mean, you guys, it's been out for a while. So the, the statute with the limitations on spoiler alerts for Cloud Atlas have lifted. Um, ben, when his character kills himself, I'm just like, oh, and just that romance altogether was something, of course, I connected to the most. But also, I feel like that was a big through line throughout all of it, right? Well, all of it is, but maybe I just, yeah. No, it is. It is. Because, I mean, for one, you know, the um, Adam Ewing, who's in the 1850s, and he's writing his journal uh, while this man is poisoning him and he doesn't realize it. Um, that's what that's what Frobisher is reading, you know, so that inspires his story. Um, and then, of course, Six Smith is inspired to act um, in the 1960s storyline because or 1975 because he interacted because of Frobisher. And because Frobisher had the same like birthmark as Halle Berry's character. So it do, it is very much a through line. And he, Six Smith, um, who was the lover of Frobisher, yeah. he is this person throughout um, every timeline that is like, he's being pushed to change and to do something important because he comes into contact with these people. So yeah, you know, what really frustrates me about that storyline, for one, I hate the kill your gaze. Like, I feel yeah. like- you know, it's, it falls into that trope. Um, I don't, I mean, 2012 is still, I don't know. I feel like it was late enough where they could have. They should have like changed, switched it up. Yeah. Yeah. And it was frustrating also because he was wrong. Frobisher was wrong. He was like, I'm going to see you in another lifetime. And we've seen all the lifetimes and you don't see him. I believe there is another world waiting for us, Sixsmith. A better world. And I'll be waiting for you there. The next time you see Frobisher, he's in a record store in 1975, and he's the one playing the Cloud Atlas on the record player for Louisa. And then you see him again um, in Neo Soul, and he's out you know, like playing it on the violin. And oh that's my it. God. They don't interact anymore. They don't find each other again. And it's just really like an important, <laughs> I think, lesson about, you know, just this idea of like, oh, we'll forget it like next time we'll get it right like you don't know yeah it's like kind of uh uh um, live in the moment or like uh, or uh uh, appreciate what you have in that moment because you never know when it's gonna go away uh that is like you are like unpacking so much because i was just watching it the whole time like oh my god when is this over (laughs) um i i just feel like this movie i mean there's lots of voiceover. Everyone takes a turn narrating. Yeah. Because they're I, all writing books or letters of some kind. Yeah. And I think it's just, it just, for lack of a better word, we kind of like, I feel like they needed to trim fat or something to make this a little bit more, uh, you know, 
consumable, but it was also, it felt like an indie film, but Warner Brothers, it was under Warner Brothers. Like there was a lot going on. Um, like I do feel like the ambition got the best of the movie because it just looked like an expensive mess to me. um but um i honestly feel like for one who cares if warner brothers loses money like they definitely lost money on that movie and they have plenty of other money and they'll go on about their lives all of these actors have gone about their lives like i don't think it's a big like loss for them but i do think you know it found its audience like and i know in in me but also like all the people who did all of these analyses that i've read like immediately in 2013 like Mm -hmm. so i think you know it was for the people that it was for it's a small group of people obviously um you know who still have to contend with the fact that this is fucking racist (laughs) that shit is not okay and you really have to hold these things together like this shit is racist this shit is beautiful. These things are existing in this same space. What do we fucking do with it? Like, yeah. And then it's like, I really am curious what the, I don't know if, if, if they, I don't know if they've spoken about this or like the Wachowskis, what they have said about this movie about Yellowface before or like after the fact in 2020 Ooh. or whatever, or what, what Tom Twyker said, if they've like all, oh, that was a bad choice or whatever. I don't know if they've said anything. Do you know? I'm not sure. I, you know, I, again, I read everything. <laughs> you in, haven't read anything yet? No, I read everything in 2013. Okay. Um, But I don't remember what they, there yeah. was. Well, well, I mean, there couldn't well, have been any response except, I'm sorry. You know, yeah, there's it's no like, response. They, we fucked up. Yeah, because I just feel like I'm looking it up on another computer right now to see I'm if there's any. <laughs> Wachowski's. Oh, Let's it see. said that's good that people are casting a critical eye. We need to cast critical eyes towards these things. What are the motivations behind directors and casting? I totally support it. Yeah. And it's, it's like, I mean, I think that I trust like the Wachowski. I think the Wachowskis are super duper talented. But and then this well, was Matrix from a Black woman. The, wait, what? <laughs> yes. Um, that uh, she won her lawsuit against them. Um, maybe I should have known about that or maybe I do and it just slipped my mind it took like a decade for her um that lawsuit like it was it was recently it's like a couple years ago that the lawsuit she finally won or they settled it something I just have a feeling that this was because this was pretty like I know that they did other projects between this and Matrix the Matrix thing Mm -hmm. like I did they they did um did they do Speed Racer which I actually liked but I know that's another case where um, uh, Emil Hirsch was technically playing an Asian uh, again, because those characters on Speed Racer are kind of Asian, um, but I guess they could be white too, who knows? Uh, but yeah, I'm just like wondering, cause I think maybe they had this pressure on them to build, like do another epic kind of story and they chose this, I'm not sure. Who knows? Like, I mean, what do you know? That's why they have this uh, Jim Sturgis looking like, Keanu Reeves in his best yellow face because they were trying to in the Neil Soul um, timeline they were trying to recreate the magics of magic of the Matrix and honestly go back to Keanu or get somebody else who's actually Asian yeah you know? like what yeah. are putting this bad hair on him and this horrible makeup this is yeah such, every such- like every single like that was the hugest problem I mean also you could argue when Hugh Grant and Susan Sarandon are in kind of 
basically, you know, uh, futuristic Polynesian kind of garb, native kind of things. Yeah. I don't know what's going on there. Um, that could be a little bit more problematic, but the Asian representation or Asian yellow face is blatantly like, yeah. oh, you're going to pull the eyes back to make them slanted. And to see, I'm like, oh, why? why? And then like, I, I, I kept the toll. I was like, oh, okay, so, so far, um, it was like Hugh Grant, James Darcy, Jim Sturgis, yeah. Hugo Weaving, Keith David, Holly Berry, all of them did yeah. yellow face. All of and, them. And I'm wondering what Duna Bay thought throughout this whole thing. No, I, because I do remember reading her saying that she was learning English mm-hmm. while she was on that set too. So I also wonder about, you know, her ability to advocate for herself and to to these people, you know, as she's learning this language that she is acting in, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm like, what kind of support did she have on set? You know, was there any represent Asian representation behind the scenes that could yeah. have been a, a support to her for her to be able to, you know, even express anything? She's gone on to a great career as well. Yeah. But I mean, you know, this is the, her first big movie. Um, and I would imagine it being very difficult to speak up. Yeah, um, especially yeah. if English was your second, if you're learning English right then. And also I think like there is a different perception of racism between like Asian versus Asian American. So like Asian Americans are definitely more vocal about it now. Um, and I don't know, like I can't speak for people who are from Asia and like who how they perceive racism but I think there's a difference there and like culturally and you know kind of those those nuances this goes into this whole conversation of because I seriously I think there I'm pretty sure I want to be like 90% sure there was no Asian consultants on this like I don't oh I 2012 Please, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. I 100% believe it didn't happen. Yeah. Um, you know, and so again, th- like the Wachowskis were trying to deliver a message. Like, what was in the remainder of that statement that I didn't finish reading because it's nonsense? But they were like, they were trying to go beyond race. They wanted to talk about what these souls were doing throughout time, which I can understand. But you also have to understand historical context and what you as a white person, like your hmm. vision of, of racelessness, like you, you don't have the range to have that conversation. Like, yeah. you are not the vessel to do that. And so, what you ended up doing was actually extremely offensive, offensive and, harmful yeah. and dangerous and everything bad you know like it was really interesting to hear Halle Berry um because I have the DVD with all the extras on oh. it. <laughs> <laughs> wait so she did commentary or was there like a featurette oh they had a ton of stuff there's so much stuff on the DVD like there's so many extras but yeah they were all like kind of commenting on things um and Halle Berry was basically talking about how she never gets the opportunity you know she's she's playing an enslaved woman early on in the 1850s storyline yeah um, who doesn't interact again with Tom Hanks so he continues to be terrible but anyway she's talking about the she played the Jewish woman she was the Jewish woman that was married to Vivian Ayers uh you're right yeah like you can't tell like like that now I have to go back and see but anyway sorry once it's it you'll see it now it's so obvious that it's her like she has a prosthetic nose um Mm. but and you know her skin she's in white face (laughs) for sure but um you you can tell that it's her but um 
Yeah, I mean, I think she was saying that like she never had the opportunity to play somebody like this in you know the 1930s. She never gets those roles. She never gets to have those costumes and things like that. And so she's looking at it from that perspective of being able to you know branch out from the typical roles that Black women get to play. Mm -hmm. But I also think too, you know, and definitely more strongly on the other actors who do get these kinds of roles all the time. There should have been. Um, not just questions, but it shouldn't have happened. Like somebody should have been advocating, especially the people like Tom Hanks with yeah. power on the set should have been advocating, you know, for this to not happen. And yeah. if you have people, you know, who are uh, in positions to um, consult then, you know, who are in these communities that you're seeking to represent without representing because you don't want to talk about race. If you don't want to talk about race, that's not what you meant to do, then why are you doing racial makeup? Oh my God, that's, su that's such a good point. And it's like, I was thinking about that and I was like, oh, would this have worked if kind of, they just didn't put Jim Sturgis in yellow face? I think it would have, like if he was just yeah. there, he, he didn't necessarily, if they didn't want to uh, address race, they should have just kept left him, like put that wig on him, forget the yeah. prosthetics and that's it, you know? Yeah. Or he could have had prosthetics to make him look like a different character, but a different white character. Like there was no yeah. reason, there's like, there was no space anywhere in the movie that, that yellow face had to happen. Like that was just a ridiculous thing to do. It just was. Yeah, I think, and I think that was the huge, well, you know, the biggest problems in terms of representation. Cause mm -hmm. you know, Cause I was just like, oh, again, cause like, cause Keith David and Halle Berry, they show up later in yellow face, Hugo Weaving shows up later and you're just like, oh, again, you know, it's yeah. like, they just keep on doing it. And I'm like, oh, who was the makeup artist? Were they just like, oh, this is going to be great. This is Yes, they were like, oh, I'm getting my Oscars. And I keep trying to tell people when your goal is an Oscar, as in the height of white supremacist award giving and entertainment, you're not going to be thinking about anything other than what you can do to appease white supremacy. Like, so yes. if that was their goal to get an Oscar, which they didn't even get. So, yeah, I mean, I think they, I think Warner Brothers and everyone was like, they were banking on this. Like they were like, yeah. oh, this is going to be an Oscar movie. And I'm yeah. like, oh, no, it's not. And I, I, I wonder, I also wonder if the actors really knew what was going on, knew what was going on. Because honestly, every time Tom, I love Tom Hanks. But every time he appeared, it felt like he was just having too much fun with his roles. Like, if that makes any sense, like he was just like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing, but what the fuck? Let me just do it. Because every single one and even that that one, the, the Dermot Hoggins uh, character, yeah. that one was such a caricature. I was just like, oh, what is going on? Um, and it felt like he was having a little bit too much fun there. Um, and you don't think he wanted to throw a critic <laughs> over a balcony once or twice in his career? <laughs> yeah, I think, oh no, I think so. It's like, especially after know. Cloud Atlas reviews came out. <laughs> Do you think, I'm like wondering if Tom Hanks, if was miscast, because I feel like it wasn't like, at, well, he played multiple characters, but I just felt like at times it felt like he was in like an SNL sketch. And, <laughs> And and other times he was just like being a serious actor, but the more makeup he had on, the more the less I could take him seriously, I guess. Um, I think he's not necessarily a character actor. There you go. Yeah. So somebody else. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, the main problem with this movie is the cast. 
if you're yeah. gonna for the things that you want to do the cast is a problem like it just yeah it's, you're not going to get to do the things that you want to do and, um I, yeah. I wonder if because there are times too like which again is not the same thing like again Halle Berry in Whiteface when she's playing a Jocasta um Duna Bay in Whiteface when that, that, that. <laughs> she plays two white characters and no she plays at least two whites like speaking characters we're, okay I only remember the one at the end where she's playing the colonial whatever woman who's she's like playing the colonial woman she's also playing the post-apocalyptic she's Tom Hanks's sister really yeah wait did it I was, notice that oh my god I'm just like I think that's I, like, I, so some of these are not noticeable like how yes. as Jocasta that's gonna take a minute yeah you know? that one did so I'm yeah. just wondering if everybody in the cast were people of color and they were doing like race swapping would it be as offensive as these white people doing it I mean I think it would be I mean like remember I don't know if you remember this episode of America's Next Top Model where Ooh, oh my god <laughs> Tyra oh my trigger warning Tyra when she was like oh we're gonna put y'all in different races you're gonna be oh, that was horrible no it was horrible that was horrible that was <laughs> and horrible. I was just like like this was just uh, a game of guess who uh for me <laughs> Yeah. I think once you get over that hurdle, if you watch it enough times and you kind of like are less distracted by the the race bending and race swapping and uh, whatever of it all, you can kind of focus on what the the movie's actually about. That's kind of, I think, what my problem was, but it's also- a Distraction. Yeah, it's a distraction. And That's even like when Hugo Weaving was playing whatever that nurse ratchet, that was, that was like Mrs. Doubtfire bullshit. <laughs> Because it was like, a, what is this woman? Like, what? It, it was, and like, she was mean. It was basically Nurse Ratchet. That's what yeah. it was. Well, that, that's it. Hugo Weaving and Hugo Grant never evolve as their characters. Like, they are yeah. horrible in every timeline. And, and that just is what it is. Like, that's their role on, that's their purpose on earth is to be horrible and make people's lives horrible. I mean, I wrote here, um, I can't with this makeup. The whole movie is me trying to figure out which actor is playing which character. <laughs> and then I wrote bonkers. Yeah. But there was there was like one quote that I don't know why I wrote this. It was like, I, I forgot who said it. It was one of the the gays, I think. Or no, maybe it was Jim Broad, uh, James Broadman. I'm not sure. Who said a half-finished book is a half-finished love affair. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, that's kind of a, that's kind of a quote I could take away from it. And if anything, that's what I took away from this. There are quotes for days in this movie, not to mention the score. Like, but I, I there are so the many. Score. Yeah. Tom Twyker doubles as the composer for this movie and it's it's a beautiful score. I've written so much of my first novel to that score. Um, oh, nice. It's beautiful. I, it's beautiful. And actually the actual Cloud Atlas sextet that um, mm. he writes as well that features in the movie. It's a beautiful, I mean, it's just really beautiful. It's not quite what the book describes because the description, it mm. just it's very, it's like the movie. It's just like these things can't all work together at the same time. So I think Tom Twyker's version of the Cloud Atlas sextet, because again, these are six souls. So six mm. instruments like working. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's like, I, I do think there are bright spots here and the quotes, I think there, there's a, I just wish that this movie was better. That's kind of like <laughs> what I wish. Or a little bit more clear for 
dumb people like me who kind of it's are not impatient. Gonna be, like, that's the thing. Like, honestly, I knew it took me four times to finish watching it the first time. Cause mm -hmm. I, there were just, it was either falling asleep or other, like, it really did take me four starting it over four times to watch it once all the way through. And okay. then again, I, I can't even count how many times, like I've definitely like sat with people and like, let's watch this movie together so we can talk <laughs> about it. Like, this is one of those movies that like, that I, I do like share with people like you. I, I force people to watch it uh, so we can talk about it. Do you like, uh, are you like, oh, what? you're like, oh, hey, everyone come over tonight. We're gonna have movie night. Yes, I do that. <laughs> I've been so sad that I can't do that during the pandemic. Um, but I did, especially when I was at home during COVID um, for that entire year, I cannot tell you how many things I made my parents watch. Like <laughs> their lives are so much better now because mm -hmm. they have, watched all the things that I told them. Did you make them watch Cloud Atlas? We actually watched it together. That's how our, my dad had the bootleg because my dad, <laughs> my dad was a pilot and he used to fly to Hong Kong all the time and he'd always oh. come back with stacks of bootleg. Of course. So that's how I saw it. We were on a beach vacation. We, we go to the beach um, as a, our, our family reunion um, and what is it called? Myrtle Beach. Oh, Harvey, uh, so we were we were having movie night and somebody picked that movie and we didn't finish it but something <laughs> about it stuck with me because again I'm still like I'm like I'm grieving you know the loss of my yeah. friend something there and so I'm like let me figure out what this thing is that's there so I watched it on my own a little bit after that and then you know I just basically like stole the DVD from my dad uh, <laughs> well like now I, I have the real I made somebody somebody bought it for me as a gift like the real DVD that has all the extras and all that that's good I mean like I think a movie like this you need that I I, I like all this supplemental stuff uh because you can't just watch this one through and be all and I I'm I'm pretty sure that's what the Wachowskis and Tom Twyker said and yeah. like Tom, Tom Twyker did a uh, run Lola run which was kind of like my uh uh foray into kind of indie kind of cool cinema edgy cinema and like I remember saying have you seen run Lola run oh you haven't <laughs> <laughs> I remember back in the day uh but yeah th th this is I think it's the rate like the yellow face of course is horrible but it's just like ah i just wish that I man you know i just need to watch it multiple times i get that it's about living multiple lives and stuff and th i mean that's my review it's i get that it's about living multiple lives and stuff that's what it is but yeah um uh and then <laughs> i wrote here i said does halle berry's wig get worse throughout uh <laughs> does it <laughs> Well, it's like how was it at the end in the post-apocalypse for you? I just think that the makeup was at times I think it was good, sometimes it was good. But for instance, and the costuming, sometimes it was good, sometimes it was bad. Like when what is it? Hugo Weaving plays that one character. Uh, Georgie, old Georgie. Yeah, old Georgie. I said, is Hugo Weaving giving Princess and the Frog Shadow Man <laughs> energy? <laughs> But you see, he's dressed like Tom Hanks was in when he was Henry Goose in the beginning. I'm telling you, it's a circle. So he's oh. actually, old Georgie is just his old self, like all the versions of his old self, like haunting him. 
So he's wearing the clothes that he wore when he tried to murder somebody, you know, and that's one that can see him. And that's why those stories are connected. So when Tom Hanks in the apocalyptic future is like, let me tell you this story about how it all began and how I first met old Georgie eye to eye, he shows up as himself on the beach in the original version of himself in the 1850s. Wow. Wow. You have you considered doing like an or like a like a like a book or an oral history or a TED talk or something? Because I think you should lecture on this because there is meaning in this movie. It's so, just I really could. I could yeah. I'm like I, I have done I have done the research. I have done the reading. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you kind of you mentioned this because like when when I asked, you know, everyone I was like, oh, who wants to do this in a podcast? And you immediately said Cloud Atlas. And I was like, oh no. Because I know it's a problem. I know yeah. it's a problem. And you know, it's still it has meant so much to me and it's just as a you have a personal connection to it as a black woman it's so difficult to get through a tv show or a movie without Mm -hmm. coming into contact specifically with misogynoir or complete erasure so like i'm already very scared but i don't do that anymore like now i totally understand why you wouldn't watch cloud atlas there's (laughs) stuff i would never like i don't care how good it is if there's a bunch of colorism in it i'm not doing it if black women aren't present i'm not doing it like uh lupin everybody's like oh watch lupin on netflix and i'm like okay but black women don't exist in france i'm good like i'm not gonna watch it so i totally understand you know why people would just be like this is a huge insurmountable problem and yeah. they should they they did the wrong thing and they did yeah. that's just you know what it is so I, I totally understand why somebody um wouldn't take the time to watch this or go through it and you know it happened to I don't know that I would watch it at this point in my life now um, yeah if it was the first time that I had ever heard of this I would be like yellow face okay. yeah but you know what I'm saying I, that's just it happened to find me at a very vulnerable time. <laughs> so, no, I mean, no, it makes sense. Yeah. There, there are things that we're connected to that, you know, I think it kind of goes beyond what the movie is. And like, yeah. it, it kind of, it, it kind of is a benchmark for your life, right? Like you're like, That's yeah. what we do though, right? And I, mean, I feel mm. like that's why we love, you know, movies and um, TV so much because we're bringing our own personal experience to these yes. things. And we project yeah, and- so much of ourselves onto these things like, Tom Dwyer and the Wachowskis don't know who I am. They don't know who my friend is who passed away. Like they had none of us in mind when yeah. they made this movie, you know? So it's not like, you know, it's not about me, but you. Yeah, no, yeah, it makes sense. this, you know, also. And I think it, it's just, you know, I, 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 I think I, when I first met you or like, we've been talking a while and all that. And it's like, I'm like you in terms of like, if this doesn't have, a person of color, any queer, like if it doesn't have even, it has to have some sort of nuance, it has to be queer. If it's all white, if it's like, and I'm like, oh, I'm not gonna fuck with that. But if it's like, it's all white, but queer, I'm like, oh, okay. Um, but I'm like, <laughs> you're like shaking your head. Um, but it's like, we're at that point where, especially during the pandemic and after, you know, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, that Atlanta shootings of the Asian, we're just like, enough let's just like I I don't have time to fuck with just white nonsense anymore like when that friends reunion came out I was all no thank you you know yeah and give me a a living single 
Yes. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> part two. But we don't have like that's the beautiful part too. Like I can say fuck all this shit because we actually have stuff that's being created for us and with us in mind and us in the writers' room and all these other kinds of things now. But behind the lens, like we don't have to look at this shit anymore. You know, yeah. we could say no to a friend's reunion because there's like 50 other things that we could watch. And so, you know, there should always, you know, be more. We're still trying to play catch up. But yeah. it's like we we don't have to. We can start demanding the things that we want. Yeah. And that, I think that's kind of why I, you know, I started Diaspora and also this doing this podcast, kind of revisiting things just because, you know, it. it like this time it's like I, I feel things are changing but I'll be honest I'm like I'll, in my lifetime I don't think there'll be full equity or you know representation because there's always going to be a problem there's always going to be passed down a uh, white adjacent white supremacy it's like even people who people of color who were kind of bought up in this system where they were always trying to please white people they're gonna they can't unlearn that sometimes I mean yeah. It, it yeah it's it's difficult. We, 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 we see it. I'm not saying like, you know, when, when, when the, in the Heights controversy, controversy came up, you know, people were, you know, all up in arms about it. And, you know, I, I, I just say, I, I love John M. Chu, but it's also like, I think John M. Chu almost has a, like, he was bought up in like, he's like old Hollywood, I guess, not old Hollywood. You know what I mean? Like he was, he wasn't in a time where uh, diversity was like flourishing and he kind of was just doing what he needed to do. And I think now he's like realizing, oh, I can do more with my voice because I think a lot of the times people of color, queer people, disabled people, whoever in the margins, they felt like, I feel like this sometimes, like I couldn't speak up. And so I just kept my head down and doing work, doing my work. And I think I'm learning, I'm like unlearning a lot of things basically. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I am one of those people too. I mean, that, you know, has had to figure out when to speak up and when to be quiet, um, you know, and what it's going to cost basically. And being, you know, deciding who I want to be in this industry and letting the chips fall where they may, you know? Mm. Um, and it has, it's cost me things and that just, but it's not going to cost me like my integrity. So, you know, there you go. Work. Uh, can't eat integrity, but you know, it'll come back around eventually. That's, I'm like, you know, that's, that's fine. You know? So I, I do think we are all in this space because people ha actually have platforms now with Twitter, with all other forms of social media to be able to speak out about things when things are happening that aren't correct. You know, yeah. fortunately, we had Felice Leon at the root to actually speak directly to John M. Chu. Like, this is a pattern of behavior. Like, what are you doing now? You know, yeah. like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> and I think uh -oh. Felice, she, she did that. So I think she did that respectfully and honestly. And mm -hmm. she wasn't trying to attack anyone. She asked an honest question. Yeah. John M. Chu handled it the best way he could. Some of the actors. The actors were not good. <laughs> <laughs> But I think that goes back to, you don't know how, I mean, you know, you actually yeah. do know how many of these people have white publicists who either wouldn't even think to prepare their clients to answer these kinds of questions um, or would be actively hostile. I have had, even trying to talk to black talent, actively hostile white publicists, don't ask that question. That's not, yes. like, no, your job is to prepare them for this question so that they have an answer that the audience, you know, wants to hear. Yeah, um, and that's the thing. 
it, 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 I think there's a lot of people say representation in front of the camera and behind the camera. And I was like, people don't realize there's a whole cycle. Mm -hmm. Agents, managers, publicists, journalists, that's why there's a need for all of it across the board. And I think a lot of these studios, especially the legacy studios and legacy networks, you know, everything they're doing is performative at this point. You know, they, yeah, yeah nothing, I mean, good for you guys, but you guys are trying to backpedal on decades of white supremacy or like white, just whiteness mm -hmm. and trying to learn and just be open about that instead of like saying, we're gonna do this diversity pipeline program, we're done. And that's yes. kind of like what they do some of the times. Yeah. And we do see like, you know, Disney doing their thing and, 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 you know, like Warner Brothers and that's great. But I look to things like Netflix may have some problems, but at least they're, they're of a newer company and they kind of are being more transparent like Amazon as well, minus Jeff Bezos going to space, whatever. Uh, but, but we see like, and then we see like macro being, you know, coming up, array coming up and, I want to see more of that and like one of um and then also uh, like people like a like production companies like imminent collision which is Huho, randall park and michael galamko's you know they they I, I met with hugh uh the other night day and he was just like saying people said we couldn't start a production company that is centered on asian comedy and and i'm like oh now they are they they've made this company and they have so many projects lined up and I just, I love to see that. And I think bottom line for me is just, I just love to see brown, black, you know, queer faces on screen. If it, if that's on screen, I'm in. If it's yeah. all white, then I'm sorry. Thanks for playing. Can't do it. Can't do it. We, don't, we don't have to do it anymore. We've been I know, and I, yeah. Oh, and I just, I, I just hope that, you know, people like uh, white people see that as a way to like, you know, because we need to include them in the conversation, but they have to be willing to be included in the conversation. And a lot of them aren't. Um, I, there's a great amount of allies out there, but you know, some of them are used to just same old, same old, then good for them, you know, whatever. Uh <laughs> I think allyship, it has to look like giving up power. And I think that's when go. that's when you start to run into problems. So yeah, you can do the diversity pipeline, not change your environment at all. So all of these like five black people that you let in through the pipeline have a horrible experience and then they end up quitting the industry altogether or going to a different company or just whatever because you haven't laid the groundwork because there's no real interest in giving up power, passing the microphone, giving the money, all those kinds of things. So until we're in that space where allyship is actually being an accomplice, in you know disrupting the power structure by giving being willing to give up power and then actually giving that power up beyond lip service then yeah. you know yeah i don't see it happening in our life yeah <laughs> i think i mean i think both you and i could speak to that just how like working for corporate certain corporations or whatever and and trying to excel when you really can't you know like it, it's it's a it's as soon as you enter certain spaces you already lost before you could even compete right it's it, it's it, it, it's kind of crazy and that's why we start our own shit right yes. hopefully yes, <laughs> yes. okay so um you, we we've touched on this before what do you think would make cloud besides the whole asian yellow face of it all what do you think would make Cloud Atlas a little less problem or just less problematic, period. 
Um, <laughs> that is it. Like, honestly, <laughs> I, there's so much, you know, beauty in the film and like the stories and the intentions of the stories and the idea of like reincarnation and past lives and future lives and all in this interconnectedness um, that yellow face is just forever going to take away from. You're just yeah. going to be a complete distraction forever. I don't think that's, that's my problem with it. Like that is the problem with it to me. I can deal with everything. I will watch a movie that has intrigued me. Like I wanted to figure out Cloud Atlas. Like mm. that's why I read everything. That's why I watched it multiple times in the beginning because I wanted to figure out the puzzle. Like I wanted to be in on what the Wachowskis were presenting to me. So, you know, I feel like it's, those are just movies that exist, you know, like the movies that are just not, or TV shows, you know, we don't actually have uh, a lot of studios that have the money to like play around with things like this. Um, but I'm totally fine with, you know, otherwise the stories intermingling and the way that like the characters yeah. are interacting and pushing each other and growing um, throughout and all the different timelines that are happening all at the same time. Like it's a confusing, beautiful, disastrous mess um, <laughs> for sure. But I mean, I wouldn't change any of those elements. I would change the cast. I would change the makeup like it's just completely unnecessary and it yeah it, I was like thinking I was like oh who would be better in the Tom Hanks role and I mean like I really couldn't kind of think of anyone but you know I just feel like he was the main one that I was like oh I feel like he should have been someone else like everyone else seemed fine but Tom Hanks because like I guess it's because we're so used to seeing Tom Hanks as like leading man in a rom-com or like something very family or oriented or something very American quote unquote mm -hmm. and to see him doing something so ambitious was very off for me because you know I maybe it was great for his career but I, I love Tom Hanks you know we all grew up with him mm -hmm. um I, I'm re I'm currently re-watching Family Ties and he's in Ooh. he's in he plays the uh, Elise Keaton's brother and he's an alcoholic yeah, it's very dramatic, but it's like seeing Tom Hanks kind of career. Just it's very interesting, and and I like him, but I was just like, I'm not in this role. But yeah, um, problematic yeah. fave that you should go into at some point is Forrest Gump because Tom Hanks has some questions to answer. Yeah, he does. That <laughs> is one that is on the list. I'm like, yo, that. I mean, Tom, Tom, Tom. Tom I did I think I I interviewed Tom once on the red carpet and he was super nice because I was like one of three people that were part of print media it was when I was working at the Oakland Tribune and he came over to us because no one was talking to us they were, <laughs> and he was all he was like oh print media let me come talk to you guys and I was like oh this is when I lived in San Francisco at some random event um but uh so Cloud Atlas you know I think it's worth a watch. You know, what if you have time, you could break it up. You know, we're in a yeah. time when you could break up movies. You don't have to watch it in one sitting. You could make it a series on your own time, one hour and three sittings. And, yeah. you know, I I actually, as much shit as I'm talking about it, I, I'm just like, oh, I think it's worth at least one watch. So you could witness what me and Brooke were just talking about <laughs> because it is 
ambitious. And I appreciate the Wachowskis and Tom Twyker tackling this. Do I appreciate the yellow face? No. Do I appreciate that old Georgie's costume looked like something from Party City because they ran out of budget? <laughs> no. But <laughs> do I appreciate the wigs? <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. But you know what? It's I think just the movie and based on my conversation with the medium I just had, it was just like it's interesting. I mean, I'm not like if you don't believe in multiple, you know, past lives and stuff, I think, I mean, I'm on the fence, but I'm also like, I I believe it to a certain extent because when they were like, oh, oh you were in Japan and you were a widower, and I was like, what? I was like, oh, come on, Japan. Um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting movie. And I think uh, you don't even have to believe in reincarnation, honestly. Like I was saying, like I am recognizing patterns in my own life that like five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I was a totally different person. So like I can, but I'm still having these same interactions like with different people, but the main issues are still there. Like there is something to like living several different lives. If you look at my rap sheet, you will see I have lived like 10 million different lives, you know, at 35. So, yeah. you know, you don't even, it, you don't even have to be one of those people that yeah, yeah. reincarnation or anything like that. Like you can just look at your own, the evolution of your own life. Yeah, we've all lived different lives. Mm -hmm. Like even like, well, even in the past year in this pandemic, everyone yes. is different. Everyone is different from last year to this point right now yeah. because we've all changed in some sort of way the way we think um the way we act and the, you know we're wearing masks of course but yeah. just the way we've you know kind of tackled things and I think that's important in, in terms of you know this story and yeah I yeah but um I do recommend it I, I go ahead guys watch it tell us what you think <laughs> Please. And if you have any questions, tweet at Rookobi. <laughs> yes, I will. I love this, and I would totally answer all of your questions. If you hate the movie, that's fine too. Like I, I'm not getting a dime from this. This is not hurting my pocket in any way. <laughs> I mean, I don't hate it necessarily. I think there's some people who hate. I'm just like, oh, why? And that kind of. <laughs> it's not like I'm like, oh, what's going on? And also, I'm impatient sometimes, and three-hour movies for patience you, it yeah patience. and patience. attention yeah and sometimes I, I like especially now when everyone's on their phone and I sh I, re I would recommend putting your phone away when watching this movie because you have to pay Unless attention every second yeah. looking stuff up or you're pausing it to like look yeah. stuff up otherwise like you will miss stuff you just will yeah. and that thing could be the thing that like like the fact that um the guy on the train, uh, what's his name? Oh gosh, the the uh, in the farce in the comedy. Um, okay, I I don't remember. Yeah. Is that bad? Timothy Cavendish. Timothy okay, Cavendish. Okay, okay. Stuck in the nursing home. He's reading Louisa Louisa's book that she wrote. Yes. He's reading that on the train. Like, there's just so many really cool details like that that show how each of these lives are like pushing other people's lives forward and i'm like so impressed that you remember everyone's names because there's a lot of names to remember I down i have yeah. a little <laughs> you have a cheat sheet i do have um, a cheat sheet <laughs> but it's like going back to jim Broadbent. It, i love the scene when the him and the, the old people escape i, I think that <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. Even I'm talking about like quotes for days. Like I use this, even though it was like used in a funny way, it's actually really traumatic and sad. Um, like when the when the brothers were accosting Timothy Cavendish on the toilet and they were like, the law, what the law do for Felix fucking Finch? I think yeah. about that all the time. The That's law dope. is not yeah. going yeah. to protect you from anything. Like yeah. from anything. There is also another quote that I wrote down here. When Ben Wishaw's character it goes down on that girl or has sex with that girl, some uh-huh. some random Jocasta. girl. Yeah, no, it was uh, what's that? It's Jocasta. It's Vivian Ayers. Oh my god! Oh, that's right. <laughs> but anyways, he says, and he's writing to James D'Arcy's character, or, or, or I guess he, I forgot his name. He he says. He's like, oh, it was a carnal act performed in service. I was like, okay. <laughs> that is, if, you, if all, all you fuck boys who want to get out of something, just say that. Say, it's a carnal act performed in service when you want to cheat, when you want to fuck around. So that's it. That's oh. He's like, don't let anybody um, say that I killed myself because of love because you were the only love of my life. All these other people was just hoes on the side. Yes. <laughs> and I, I I think, and I just love, again, I love Ben Weshaw. I'd love uh, just, because he voices Paddington, doesn't he, I think? I want to say he does. Um, I may be wrong, but uh, he also played Q in the James Bond movies, I think. Uh, but I love him. I think he, he's so adorable. Um, but yes, Cloud Atlas, watch it, learn from it, and tweet at, okay. So, Brooke, what <laughs> do you have planned? Where, where are you at? Where can people find you? you know, what are you working um, on, on, et cetera, Twitter. et cetera. Yeah. All day, every day. I'm on Twitter at Brooke Obi. I've got some really exciting things coming, um, you know, but it's Hollywood, you know, so yeah. we're gonna hurry up and wait. And so, yeah, you'll just, you'll find me on Twitter. That's exactly where I will post all the good news mm. when it happens. Yeah. So uh, if you have any questions, <laughs> reach out okay. to Brooke and she um, will answer them. She's a cloud at- atlas aficionado. A savant, if you will. Uh, <laughs> um, but Brooke, thank you so much for taking me through this journey, and also thank you for kind of giving a different perspective. Because like I was just like, oh my god, this is trash. But now you kind of <laughs> given me. Th- and after talking to this medium and talking to you, I'm like, oh, okay. I kind of get a I, lesson in there. there yeah, lesson. There, yeah, there. I think there is, and this whole multiple lies and. It's essentially, and everyone loves a story where different storylines cross, right? Like everyone loves that. That's a thing. This one, Cloud Atlas, it's just a little bit more high concept. So, you know, and with yellow face. <laughs> it's, it's six different genres. The main genre is yellow face. Yeah. So. <laughs> Problematic Fave is presented by Diaspora and made possible by the Center for Asian American Media. The podcast is also produced by Dino Ray Ramos and Andrew Merrill, who also edited this episode. Please subscribe to Problematic Fave on Apple Podcasts and give us a nice rating because we will read them and they help. Diaspora is an alternative digital film and TV publication and media platform that focuses on people of color, the LGBTQIA community, the disabled community, women, and other historically marginalized communities in film, TV, and media. You can visit the site at thediasporatimes.com and follow on Instagram and Twitter at, at @realdiaspora. Thanks for listening. <laughs>